Why is it that we continue to wrestle, immensely wrestle, with issues of love and acceptance of one another? As we conclude this series, the story that's told in Acts 10 is spot on dealing with this issue of hatred and separation and prejudice. And it points to the fact that God creates all people. He creates diversity. There's beauty in diversity, whether it's male, female, race, interest, spectrum of gifts that people have, experiences they fall into, areas of the world that they live in. The beauty, the mosaic that God has around the world is pretty incredible. But He never intended with that beautiful mosaic for there to be the divisiveness and the hatred and the animosity and the prejudice one towards another. And though we may look at the situation at the Emmanuel AME Church and go, how horrendous, each of us can look in our own hearts and go, why is it that I have bitterness and unforgiveness And I don't like to embrace certain groups of people. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we need the transformation power of God himself through his son, Jesus Christ, to be able to change us into loving, accepting, affirming, and giving people. Wouldn't that be a beautiful utopia in this world if everybody just got along? There's coming a day when everybody will get along. When the enemy will be thrown into the abyss, as scripture says. And the Lord will return and He will make all things right and He will redeem uh, not only all humanity, but all creation. Creating a new heaven and a new earth. And if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, guess what? Good news. You'll get to be a part of that era when everybody gets along. But in this era, we don't. And we need to listen to the Word of God to us concerning our ability to love and accept and embrace every single person, even though sometimes, sometimes it's very hard. You see the story that uh, will be captured tonight with the AD series on NBC is the story of Cornelius the centurion. Peter's vision and that the gospel is for all peoples. It's the story of Cornelius the centurion, Peter's vision, and that the gospel is for all people groups everywhere. Now, you caught a little bit of the snippet of the story there as uh, portrayed with the episode. If you'll turn with me to Acts 10, we're just going to look at the story just briefly and then give some review. And then we got a special opportunity to see some folks follow the Lord in obedience of their profession of faith with baptism. So in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius uh, was not your common ordinary person that was just, uh, you know, hanging out. He was a guy that was in charge of a lot of people. In Acts chapter 10, it says this, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, and what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Verse 4, Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. Now, in the AD series that you'll see concluded tonight, they have been building the character of Cornelius from week one. But Cornelius was not 
the guy who was like Pilate's right-hand bad dude. All right? Now, what I like is that they've endeared us to the character of Cornelius through this soldier that had worked with Pilate in this series. Because you need to understand this. Cornelius was that kind of leader in an Italian regiment in the, in the, Roman, in the Roman world. In fact, a centurion comes from the, the word centurion, right? Uh, is probably, he at least oversaw a hundred men. And it said possibly 200 to 1,000 men he was in charge of in the Roman army. All right? But yet it says here that he also had a God-fearing heart. Was he uh, a follower of God as, as the Jews were? Not necessarily. Was he a follower of Jesus? No, he was not. He had not even heard of that. But he was a respectable man, a God-fearing man. He gave to the poor. And guess what? God Almighty saw him. God Almighty saw him because he was a seeker of God. All right? So in that sense, it's a little bit different kind of character, Cornelius, uh, that's portrayed uh, on A.D. from the one that's actually there in the Scriptures. And he was in Caesarea. Caesarea is about 30 miles away from Joppa. Peter had gone to Joppa and he stayed at the home of Simon the Tanner. All right. And as he was there, he um, had these visitors come to him because something had happened to Cornelius in a vision. And the angel appeared to him and said, send for Peter, bring him back to the home. He has something to tell you. Now, this is really important. I think when we think about how God works, God is working through all the world with all people for those who have a seeking heart. Now, the difference between a Jew and a Gentile and a centurion, a Roman centurion would have been a Gentile, would have been, you, know, you take the highest class of people and the lowest class of people that is perceived today and don't want to relate to one another. That's what was going on. Jews didn't want to have anything to do with Gentiles. Stay away from them. Don't go into their home. That was forbidden to go in their home, to eat with them. Forbidden. All right? And here's Peter, who was a Jew, who, yes, he became a follower of Jesus. He'd been a disciple of Jesus all these years. But he still had this prejudice in his heart that you could only be a follower of Christ if you were a Jewish person. And what happened to Peter 30 miles down the road from Caesarea Joppa was God came to him in a vision. Peter was hungry. I mean, he was hungry. They were fixing some food downstairs, and he fell into a trance, Scripture says. And in this trance that he fell into, he sees this dream, this vision that comes to him with a big, huge sheet, four corners tied up. And inside of this huge sheet was all kinds of animals. There were large animals, there were reptiles, there were birds, the Scripture says. And God gave this vision to Peter, and he said to Peter... Go and kill and eat. Well, why was that a big deal? Well, Jewish people didn't eat certain kinds of food. That was a part of not only their ritual, it was the part of their belief of being faithful to God, to Yahweh. So Peter would say, never. I would never defile myself with unclean food. I would never do that. But here he is hungry. They're fixing food downstairs. Maybe the aroma. He's tired. He's weary. Sheet comes down three times in this vision and says, All animals you can kill and eat. 
They're given to you. Do not have a prejudice related to food rituals. And by the way, there's some men coming looking for you. You need to go with them. Now, during that time, it was a little scary, like depicted in the AD clip there. You know, Mary Magdalene's like, oh, there's some men here. I don't know. This is not good. And Peter has that smile. It's like, great. What does it mean? It means God is intervening. He is at work. And he goes with them to see the centurion. And so we pick it up at verse 23. The next day, Peter started out with them. And some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. Now, this is interesting. Cornelius falls down like he's going to worship Peter. Peter says, get up. You don't worship human beings. There's only one. You worship God, right? Which is also interesting in the whole Catholic sense of, you know, Peter was supposed to be the first pope. I mean, it just says, you do not worship any man. All right? You don't worship any woman. There's only one person to worship, and it's God Almighty. But servants can point to God Almighty, and that's what Peter does. Talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. Maybe a gathering such as this, right? He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Four days ago I was... In my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon, suddenly a man shining with clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send a Joppa for Simon called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Wow. What a nice opportunity. Let's get at it, he said. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Another translation says he's no respecter of persons, but accepts men from every nation who fear him, who do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened through Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus the Nazareth of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on the tree. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen by us who ate and drank with him. And he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testified about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. I tell you what, Peter was going at it. He was rocking and rolling in that house, articulating to people the very same message that was born out of Easter. And that is the resurrected Jesus is alive and he is king of kings and he is Lord of lords. Now, I know it's been a while since Easter, right? 
We celebrated Easter. The, tongue, the, the stone was rolled away. But friends, we've only been 12 weeks from Easter and how sometimes we've become numb to the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead. But in that day, as it should be in this day, never, ever should we lose the excitement, especially on a Sunday morning, that Jesus is alive. This one whom you killed, the, the Jewish people killed, he, he has risen from the grave. And because he's done that, he's defeated Satan. And he will come and establish his reign fully someday. But now he is not only destroying Satan. He's, he's not yet destroyed Satan in the realm at large. But he's seeking to see Satan destroyed in the hearts and the lives of people. You know, we've said it before on a Sunday morning up here as it relates to these news stories that sort of burst out from week to week. Friends, it's not a skin problem. It's a sin problem. And Jesus came to not only forgive us from the penalty of sin, but to break the stronghold of the power of sin in our life. And if he had not been raised from the grave, then none of this should be happening today. We would be mere fools. But he has been raised from the dead. And Peter was knocking it down in Cornelius' house, telling these Jews, I mean these Gentiles who were on the outside of the Jewish faith, these people they weren't supposed to associate with, that God had sent Jesus Christ for them to receive as their friend and their Savior too. And so he starts to unpackage this message, and guess what God does? He interrupts the preacher's sermon. That's fine to do any time, God. And he interrupts it this way, and it says this in verse 41. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Incredible story. He heads back to Jerusalem. He tries to articulate it to the larger Jewish body, the Jewish followers of Jesus, that, hey, hey, this isn't just for us. It's for everyone. We saw it last week with the Ethiopian. We saw it with what happened with God grabbing a hold of Paul and sending him out to the Gentiles. You see, God had a purpose when he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And that purpose is that all people, every tribe, every language, every nation, every skin color would have the opportunity to become followers of Jesus Christ and believe in him. And in this moment, the Holy Spirit interrupts. And just like the day of Pentecost comes and they begin speaking in other languages as a sign, evidential sign that the Holy Spirit has come on them as believers in, in what Peter is saying about Jesus Christ. God is still at work today, not only interrupting sermons, but interrupting lives and speaking to people. Has he spoken to you about you being a follower of the resurrected Jesus. A lot could be said as we wrap things up in this last day. Time doesn't afford, but I want you to know this. The book of Acts, first of all, if the book of Acts wasn't there, we'd have a big problem understanding all the scriptures. 
because you go from Jesus to the Apostle Paul sending letters out like Romans. But the Acts is referring to the Acts of the Apostles. But the reality, it's really not the Acts of the Apostles as much as it is the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And can I say this? It's not as much the Acts of the Holy Spirit as it is the ongoing actions of Jesus Christ because the book of Acts was written by the same person who wrote the Gospel of Luke, which was Luke. Luke was a physician, a close companion of Paul. He probably traveled with Paul because Paul had some ailments going on and some other hardships he'd come into, so it was probably good he had his own doctor with him. And Paul was meticulous at articulating the story of Jesus. And then it says in Acts 1, in my former book, Theophilus, well, that was he was written to, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Then he goes on and he writes volume 2, sort of like a big hit TV kind of a, a movie thing, right? Here comes the sequel. But the sequel, the Acts of the Apostles, is really the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus Himself. Jesus interrupted Cornelius' gathering that day. And He came upon people through His Spirit. They were changed from the inside out. And Jesus is still doing His Acts today. And friends, if we don't get a hold and have a good grip, the reality that God has a work through Jesus Christ, changing bad hearts to make them good, then we are all lost today for any kind of hope. But he is active. But he's only active to those who are seekers. Here's Cornelius, the guys. I mean, he's on the outside looking in. He's a big shot guy overseeing a bunch of people who had a lot of power, but yet he had the humility to seek God and to help poor people. And he wanted to know God, and God sends him this angel. He sends Peter. Isn't it interesting, by the way, that angels don't really preach? You ever think about this? I was thinking about this uh, this week. Is that, is that true? Angels, they, they articulate God's message and, and intervene. But God uses people to preach. God uses people not only to preach, but to care and to give, whether it's, it's, it's gifts of, of groceries or being able to help in a VBS, to be able to speak into young people's lives. God uses us, and God chose to take this seeking man Cornelius and send Peter the Apostle his way to share the good news. And the Spirit, Jesus, came into their midst. And Peter goes, whoa, that's a pretty big deal. I'm done. If the Spirit has come on them, should we keep any of them from being baptized? And they were baptized that day. And baptism, we talked about it last week, is the outward sign of the inward faith of a person who says, I believe. I believe. And as a person who believes, they are to publicly declare that profession of faith. This morning we have the opportunity to see some people baptized who have come to place their belief in Christ. I'm going to invite you into the book of Acts because it's still going on. And it's going on right in our midst. The acts of Jesus Christ still working to change and transform lives. And so I'm going to ask you to enter into not only the book of Acts, but enter into a moment of celebration with us. We were to have us uh, a larger group to be baptized today, but there was one family in particular who a person in the family wasn't able to make it, and they said, well, you know, we want the whole family there. And I like that kind of commitment because it's true. You want your whole family to be supporting and cheering you on. And some of you are family members here today for those who are being baptized. 
So with this, we're just going to step into a baptism, and then after the baptism, I'm going to close it up with some thoughts and a challenge for us as a church, and then we're just going to sing a great song of celebration as we head out of here for Father's Day. Sound good? Yeah. All right. So they know who they are. We're going to have uh, the first group come. And if it gets messy, it gets messy. That's what I like about doing it in church. Here to lead off, we have Joel and uh, Sarah Gallardo, and uh, they are going to uh, be baptized, and I'm asking a simple question, and then if they want to say anything else, they can if they want to. Joel, do you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I believe. That's great. Now, good morning, guys. No, I just want to say, uh, you know, thank you to our Lord Jesus for rescuing me. And, uh, you know, from this point forward, I just want to let him know, you know I'm ready to take my life's journey with him. And, uh, you know, I just, I just want to say, Lord, just please help me be the strongest man of God I can for my family. So. We're good to go. Is that okay? Yeah. Uh, I don't want to ruin a watch. <laughs> yeah, that's why we do Joel Gallardo, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> This is Sarah. Sarah, do you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I believe. Sarah Gallardo, because of your profession of faith and your obedience when he spoke to you to take this step a few weeks ago, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is Joella Mano. Joella, sorry. Joella, do you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I believe. And I'll just lift you up, girl. <laughs> I'm going to have you stand, otherwise, I won't see you. You got this? Ready? Joyella, because 
Joella Mano, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ at a young age as your Lord and Savior, it's my privilege with your family behind you to baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is Grace Bay. I just met her last week after service. Grace, do you profess the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Absolutely. So a quick um, word is that um, for me, I feel like uh, for the longest time I had put off baptism. And um, before I'd even thought about it, I kind of even... I think I dismissed the importance of it, and um, I feel like um, in me kind of wanting to be, quote, ready for baptism, I had um, kind of disregarded this um, idea of faith and the um, beauty of faith and that it's not by my merits or my works that qualify me to be a follower of Christ. So. Grace Bay, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Last this morning, we have Kelly Choi, and you're nervous about this. A little. (laughs) Kelly, do you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I believe. (laughs) Do you want to share anything? Um, I just want to say, uh, early March, something made me pick up Rick Warren's Purpose Ribbon Life book. And as I started reading it, something changed, like Holy Spirit went through me. I was just changed from inside out. So I'm, I've, been, I've been waiting a long time to be baptized, and it is my honor to be baptized and become God's family. Kelly Choi, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. How about one shout for all of them, man? Hey, it doesn't get better than that.
When the preacher's looking for a good illustration to close with, there you go. What do you think? You know, it's, uh, it's so cool to be a part of the kingdom of God. And as they declared, the I believe, you too have that opportunity. Declare, I believe, faith in Jesus Christ. If you've never done so, I want to encourage you to do so. I won't give you a, a, a public charge right now, but maybe there's a day coming where you'll follow in the obedience of baptism just like they did this morning. But maybe you've never actually crossed that line of faith to believe in Jesus Christ, to see him transform you, to forgive you of your sins and set you on a purpose like Kelly just mentioned that God has. In the quietness of your spirit, it's just a simple crossing of the line saying, Lord, I believe in you. I will follow you from this day forward. And if that is your desire, I invite you to come find me afterwards. I will always be out in the tent and wait, even if I'm talking. I want you to come to me and you say, Carrie, I believe. And I want to pray with you this morning. And maybe if you see a witness such as this baptism, you say, I need to be doing something like that. Maybe what you need to do is pull out that connection card in front of you and mark baptism. And the next time we have baptism, you're on board. You're good to go. Be obedient to the steps that God calls you to be obedient to. You know, Jesus, when he closed down his earthly ministry, as it's recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, he gave us the great commission that many of you are aware of. It says this in Matthew 28. In Matthew 28, it talks about Jesus being his presence with you. And he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Volume 1 concluded and stepped into Volume 2. Many times we think it's up to us and we try to work harder, sweat, labor more diligently as church, as individuals, so that people could become disciples of Jesus Christ. But many times we fail to remember the second part of that. I am with you always to the very end of the age. This book is about the ongoing acts of Jesus Christ and his spirit actively at work today. Your life, this church, still Jesus working through your life. It wasn't Peter, now was it? God appeared to Peter. He struck him with a sense of you need to go. Jesus is calling you to go and make disciples, but he is with you speaking his words. And we as a church continue to be on the Great Commission to serve him. I want to invite us afresh and anew as a church as we conclude this series to commit ourselves to be a body receptive to the Holy Spirit to be able to go and make disciples of all people. This is our commission. We are a church to be fully alive in Christ. Don't you love the symbolism of being buried to the old life, being raised to the new life, fully alive in Christ and to his mission, this great commission. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and I have one more challenge for us as a church. The last couple days, I had the opportunity to go to a seminar, a workshop I'd been looking forward to going to for a period of time. 
I've talked to the leaders of the church about this. I believe we as a church need to get more serious about making disciples and equipping ourselves to be a part of this Holy Spirit movement. I know our lives are full. I know that time comes and goes pretty quick. But we need to rally together for God to work deeply in our life so that we can serve him mightily. And this fall, we're going to start something called Rooted. In Colossians 2, it says this, Just as you received Christ, Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. We need to be responsible to one another and give opportunity not only for us who are part of this church, but even the whole valley, to be able to see people become rooted in the deeper life, rooted in a communal life and rooted in a missional life that makes a worldwide impact and fulfills the purpose that God has for you. And so I was away at a conference at a church across the hills, I guess you call them, mountains, I don't know, I'm learning this jargon around here, at Mariner's Church. Mariner's Church is a large church in the Santa Ana, uh, Irvine, uh, Newport area, and they adopted something from a God movement that was happening in Nairobi, Kenya, Africa. And they call it Rooted over there. And so there's some Swahili name it goes by over there, but it's Rooted is what the name means in Swahili. And Mariner's Church has been encouraging other churches to consider taking on what's called a 10-week spiritual journey, a 10-week experience to see people rooted in and built up in Christ. And this fall, kickoff September 16th, I want to invite you to be a part of the journey for Rooted. You're going to hear more about it. To connect with God, the church, and your purpose in unexpected and life-changing ways. A little bit of a teaser. I want you to seriously consider being a part of an experience that's going to encapsulate readings and uh, group time and some celebration times as well as some experiences I have sought my whole life, and I've been in ministry close to 30 years now. How do we grab a hold of people who want to go deeper in Christ and experience God more and the book of Acts? And I've tried a lot of different things, and I'm not just sort of giving this a whirl. This concept that's being put together, I understand why it's making a huge impact with a lot of people and some, a number of churches now working with Rooted. Because it's not just about book knowledge and head knowledge. It's about experiencing the Holy Spirit in your life and experiencing it with a group of people and moving forward in your faith and moving forward in your ability to be on the Great Commission for Jesus Christ. So there's your teaser. I want to challenge that. You'll hear more about it. You'll see that it's becoming aligned with Kids Company on Wednesday nights if you want to be a part of it. Um, With just those simple words and as the band strikes up, we're going to come and have the uh, ushers come to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings. But on your connection card, if you think this 10-week spiritual experience might be something for you, you're not signing up right now. Trust me, you're not signing up right now. But if you think that might be something that resonates with you, let's get at it, get on with it, then just write rooted on the back of that card, all right? I'm looking for just some of the pulse of people who would say, I want to go on a spiritual journey to become fully alive in Christ and to his mission in a deeper life, communal life, missional life kind of way. You with me?
Good. Ushers, come and receive the Lord's tithes and offerings. And let's just continue to celebrate God's goodness as they close out this morning with this song.